Hey, what's up, everybody? This is the first podcast for The House. Uh, the House is a church here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Uh, we just planted a few months ago. And, and we're just so excited for what God's doing, uh, for all that He's calling us to and positioning us for. And, man, we're just grateful to be able to partner with Him, uh, to see the church be all she can be, but also to see His mission happen here in this city and not just in this city but in the world and so that's actually what this first sermon is going to be about you're going to be getting uh, weekly sermons but this first one's going to be about transformation what is the church's role in it um, what are we called to but also a little bit we're going to talk about what is the church who is the church what are we called to be why does it exist and not just our vision and our mission for our church but jesus's intention for his church uh, his bride, his ecclesia. What does that mean? And so, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy, hope you learn, hope you grow. And honestly, hopefully, uh, hope you find, you know, answers uh, in your spirit for uh, why we exist, why we do what we do, why why this community happens the way it does, and ultimately what's the end goal. And so uh, follow along with us. If you have questions about the church, you can go to thehousesuitballs.com. Um, or just follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the House Sioux Falls, and uh, yeah, we'll answer any questions you have. Hope you enjoy. All right. Um, so as we were talking about and praying through, what do we talk about? You know, in the in the, in the in the time leading up, just to give you like insight into what today is. Everything that we've been talking about for the past few weeks have been kind of leading up to this day. Um, we felt for a while that the Lord just kind of kept us hidden, um, that he just, he set us kind of in, I mean, we're in a conference room in a building with no sign, right? Like we could be selling drugs or something and nobody would know, you know, like there's just no telling what could be happening in this room and nobody would know. We're not selling drugs, promise. If you came here for drugs, you're at the wrong spot. Um, but the, he's just kind of kept us hidden, right? Um, and even us as kind of a, a team, we've kind of been going like, there's some movement we've been trying to have in some ways. And every time we just feel this like, hold up. Um, but as we prayed through and as we talked through, we kind of felt like this is the day that the Lord unhides us. Um, I don't know why fully. Um, we were all sitting in the room praying earlier, and we're like, like Ben said, my mind's trying to understand what's happening in my body right now. And he was like, my mind still don't get it, but my spirit's freaking out. Like, and that's where we kind of feel today. All of us, I think, um, are like, the Lord's just doing something, and he's going to unpack it in the weeks to come. But there's, there's a shift happening today. We just feel it. We just all feel this shift of it's go time. And we've kind of felt it coming. I didn't feel, I didn't know that it would feel like this. So everything we've been talking about is leading up to this. And so um, we talked a few weeks ago about the presence and about, we talked, just talked two weeks in a row about the presence of God and how we are called as a body to minister to him, how to bless him. That, that's just what we're called to do. It's just the rhythm. That's part of it, right? We talked about the rhythm of the family of God. We talked about Shabbat. We talked about prayer sets. We talked about Sundays. 
and how when there's unity, there's power, right? Amen. When we're all in agreement and we're all moving together. It's not just mentally agreeing, it's agreeing with our lives and moving in this flow and in this rhythm that there's power in it. We talked about that. Um, what else we talk about? We talk about the Holy Spirit. Jeff talked about the Holy Spirit and um, what He does in us and how He's actually for us and how Jesus went to the Father and sent the Holy Spirit. And then we talked about the gifts of the Spirit, right? Like we've talked about all these things and all of these things exist separately, right? And what we're going to talk about today is how they all fit together and why they all fit together. Um, and this is important um, in so many different levels that we understand. And so we're going to fly through some things. I hope, whew, Lord, make the sun stand still, or that clock at least. But you can take it out, Bob. We'll be yeah, that sounds great. You just talk all day. Um, but we're going to fly through some stuff, so just kind of hold on to what you got. Um, the reason we all are here, the reason the church is here is for transformation. The reason the church is here is for transformation. Transformation in yourself, individually, in your home, in the people around you, in your community, and then to see the city transform. That's it. That is the thing. All these other things play a part in that, but the end goal is transformation. When Jesus returns, transformation will fully happen, right? But transformation is what this whole thing's for. And so, um, to just kind of define terms, I wanted to, uh, to look at Romans 12. Paul says, uh, I'm just going to fly through scriptures, so if you just want to write them down and then go look at them later, I promise it's the Bible. Um, I didn't write it, um, but you can go back and look at it. That way we're not turning and flipping a hundred times. Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. What's the, the main purpose we're alive? To worship him, to make him known, to, to respond to his glory. What's the next thing after this is the way you worship? To be transformed. We worship, and then literally the next verse he says, to be transformed. Worship is the, the first step into transformation. But worship is the end. Because it's worship, transformation, all this stuff, worship, cycle, right? But it's worship unto transformation. Everything's unto transformation. Why? Why is that important? Um, I, I want to turn to Luke 4 real quick. Um, just to give you a little bit of that. Luke 4, obviously it's 4. It's in the Gospels. So it's early, right? In Jesus' uh, ministry. This is actually right after he was tempted. He comes back to Nazareth. He's at the, he's at, uh, the church. And we're going to pick up at 14. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly throughout the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, 
he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that, that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So Jesus baptized, gets the Holy Spirit, goes and is tempted for 40 days, comes back to Nazareth, day one, like this is his saying, I'm here. Essentially, he's saying, the one that all this stuff was written about, that's me. I'm the one. He wrote up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. So that is transformation. Blind eyes being able to see. Captives being set free. Like spiritual captives. Like this is, this is him going, today's the day. All this stuff that you've been talking about, today's the day. Jesus, if you want to know what his mission was, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 61. If you go read Isaiah 61, it's transformation. That's the mission of Jesus on the earth. For now till he gets back, transform this place. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This whole thing is about seeing transformation actually happen. Make sense? And so when we think about why, why is transformation even important? Obviously, there's this thing in us that's like, man, we just got to be comfortable, right? Like the end goal is to like life and liberty, America, whatever. Like, no, no, no. The whole thing is transformation. The whole thing is to partner with God in his mission of the earth. And that's to see transformation happen. So Jesus' plan was for transformation. Matthew 16. He says, now I say to you that you are Peter which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Okay, so here's where we gotta start digging into stuff because we, this is the most important thing that we can understand is when he says, I will build my church, what does he mean, right? If he says, on all this, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to stand against it. We need to know what is that church that he's talking about. Amen. Also, he says, I will give you the keys. Right. We're going to start right there. I will give you the keys. This is Matthew 16. He's not saying I'm giving you the keys now. Right. He says, I will give you the keys and I will build my church. Future tense. Right. Why future tense? That makes us go. What has to happen to make that happen, right? Okay, so if he can't do it right now, what's he gonna do? And when's that time gonna be and what has to happen, right? And so to that, we go back to Genesis three. We're not gonna go all the way and read all that, but essentially that is when Adam and Eve gave authority to the devil, right? In, in the garden, the fall happened, everybody nod with me. Everybody know the garden happened. What happened then is that Adam and Eve didn't just disobey God, they obeyed the devil. By obeying the devil, he became their authority. God created Adam and Eve to have dominion and rule over the earth. That's what he created them to do, right? When they agreed with the devil, when they obeyed him, they disobeyed God, they obeyed the devil, they actually gave that authority away. That is why 
when Jesus was in the desert, the devil took him up and said, I will give you all this. Why? Whose was it? It was the devil's. Right? He can't give something that's not his. That's why it was actually a temptation is because Jesus knew this is what I'm here to do is to take it back. And the devil was going, we're going to shortcut it. And he was not trying to get him to do the wrong thing. He was trying to get him to do it the wrong way. Right? So the end goal was I'm taking this back. And the devil said, I'll give it to you right now. But you got to do it my way. you got to do it the way Adam did it, which is obey me. By, by bowing down, I'll give you all of it. But it was his. Do you see that? Do you see that when the devil took and tempted Jesus, that actually the authority and the dominion of earth belonged to the devil? Adam and Eve gave it to the devil. The devil tried to give it back to Jesus his own way. And Jesus said, no, nah, bro, I'm going to take it my way. Right? And so then we flip. So, so we, we go back to Matthew 16. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I will do this. What happened? Let's fast forward. I'm, this is unpacking a whole lot. I'm sorry. We go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 18. This is after the resurrection. Right after the resurrection happens. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven. They knew that. They already knew he's got authority in heaven because he's from, he is God. Like he, we know where you come from. He said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus' death and resurrection restored the authority and the dominion of the earth back to God. Do we see that? It's not just salvation. He took it back. Now we can walk with him. Now we can know him. Now we can be born again and we get him and we get eternity with him. But what all he also did was said, this that I created is mine. This is actually mine now, and it's no longer yours, Satan. It is mine. And then he can do with it what he pleases, right? Right after he says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always even to the end of the age and so when he says in matthew 16 i will give you the keys of the kingdom that's future tense when he says i have all authority go he gives that authority we see that in luke 10 the way he gives the authority he says i saw satan fall like lightning and i've given you authority over all the enemy all the power of the enemy so we see this transfer of authority right this transfer of authority. Authority is a different thing than power. We're going to talk about that. But there's authority. And so he gives with the commissioning of the church, with the commissioning of the apostles to go, he gives them authority. They're not, it's not their authority. It's his authority. Make sense? It's the same way I would give my kid the keys to my car. It's my car, but he has authority over it while he's got it, Right? So this earth now is under the authority of heaven, but we have the keys. He said he would give us the keys, right? And so with that, that makes you go, huh, what are we supposed to do with the keys? Does that make sense? So we've been given authority. Now, back a couple weeks ago, when Jesus said, I need to go to the Father and y'all need to stay in Jerusalem until power comes, right? 
It's because, do you, you all remember us talking about that? How they, it was Pentecost Sunday. They waited 50 days after his, after his ascension to heaven. And he said, stay, because you need power. It's because they had the authority from heaven, but they didn't have the power from heaven. You need both to do what God has called us to do. We need power and we need authority. And they had authority, but they didn't have power. Holy Spirit, the word actually that we get is dunamis power. Dunamis means explosion. It's where we get the word dynamite. And so power has to work with authority, right? Are we all tracking on this? We're seeing that Jesus took back, this is the big picture. Jesus took back authority and said, I got authority. Now I'm passing it on to you, right? So this is what's crazy. Blows my mind. Matthew 16, he gave us the keys. We have been given authority. What we forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, but we need power. This is mind boggling. Jesus came to transform the world, right? Right before we were able to transfer the, uh, transform the world, what did he do? Bro left. Think about this. Jesus came, beat death, fulfilled the law, beat the devil, took the keys, gave us authority, then peaced out. Like, huh? This whole thing has been about you transforming the world. And now you're leaving? What's the, what is going on? Your whole mission from day one, we just read that, Luke 4. Day one, Jesus said, it's time for this world to change. Let's do it, boys. Let's do it. He spends three years with them and says, it's done. It's done. I've got the authority. I'm giving you the keys. See ya. What? Why is that? It's because Jesus understood. We talked about this last week. Jesus understood. If I go and I give them the Holy Spirit and my authority on this earth, there's some damage that's about to happen. There's some damage that's about to happen. And here's the biggest problem. Is we have forgotten who we are. We understand the mission. We say we understand the mission, but we've forgotten who we are as the church. And who we have to remember, and I'm about to show you all, it's mind-boggling. And it's, actually, it's real. It's, I've sat with it and studied it for years. And it's real, and it literally, I'm telling you, what we're talking about today is a game changer. What we're talking about today changes, why do I come to church? Like it actually gives language and precedent for that. And so this is the question of the day because transformation is the goal. This is the question of the day. Who is the church and what is the church? Galatians 3 says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all of you have been united with Christ in baptism. Oh, all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. My bad like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to belong to you. First and foremost, who is the church? We are the ones who are in Christ. Whether you are slave or free or male or female, whether you are Jew or Gentile, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, whether you're black, whether you're white, it don't matter. If you are in Christ, you're in the family of God. Amen. He, he's not saying that these things don't exist. He's just saying these are not the things that tie you anymore. What ties you 
is that you are in Christ. And so if a white person comes up to me, a white person, and says, I'm, I'm your brother, but I'm not in Christ. But Bobby comes up to me and says, I'm in Christ. He's my brother. He is my brother, even more than my actual sister who's not in Christ, right? If I have family that's blood family that's not in Christ, now the family of God is made new, right? And so this is just saying, this is who is in the family of God. We have to know who is a part of this and what ties us before we even know what our function and our role is, right? Because if, you if you're not in him, you don't have power or authority. Jesus is the only way you get the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the only way you get the authority. Like it's the man Jesus that went to the cross, died for sin. He actually raised from the dead so that we can have power and authority from him. There's no other way that this thing even works. Like social justice right now is a big thing. Woke theology, progressive theology, like it's a whole big thing. It doesn't work without Jesus. If it's not for the blood of Jesus, then nothing else matters. You can make the world a better place as much as you want. But without Jesus, there's no power and there's no real love. There's no real transformation. Amen? It is only Jesus. Um, and it's like, we, it, this is 2021. We have to get this. It is only Jesus that transformation happens. Right. Only the blood of Jesus. And so we are all covered by the blood of Jesus, adopted into the family of God. Now, this is mind boggling. What is the church? When Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell won't stand against it. The word that he used is the word ecclesia. We all maybe have heard that. Ecclesiology is where we get the word ecclesiology. Study of the church. It's the ecclesia. We have, as a global church, drifted from what Jesus meant from the ecclesia. We have missed it for centuries. I'm telling you this is mind-boggling, and I even feel weird saying it, because it's like, I feel arrogant saying this. But when you just study it, you're like, we've missed it. We've missed it completely. And it's not, man, there's so much grace for the bride. Mm -hmm. And he loves the bride. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean we just keep doing old patterns. Right. It doesn't mean we keep doing old things. We, this is not like us as a, as a house, as a church. We're not trying to redefine who the church is. We are trying to rediscover who Jesus wanted the church to be. All right? So this is not a, everybody else is wrong and we're doing it right. This is, I'm grieved because we don't even know who we are. I'm grieved because we have power and authority from heaven and all we care about is what color the chairs are. All we care about is what, what color, what songs we're playing. All that's, that's what are we doing? What are we doing when, when we, we have power and authority from God to govern this place with him and we're just sitting talking about dumb stuff? Like what's the point, right? What really matters? And so we have to look at this, the Greek word ekklesia. The way, I need to paint a picture too. Some of your, um, all of our Bibles say church. There are two words for church. There's the Greek word ekklesia, and then there's a German word called kirch, right? What actually happened in about 60, the year 1600, about 500 years ago, 1500, 
is um, they were actually translating the Bible. They were translating the Bible from the Greek and King James, it was actually King James, the, the church had kind of become, they had drifted from the ecclesia and they had become um, more of an organization, more of a building, more of a, kind of honestly the way we see the Roman Catholic Church today. It had drifted in that way and what that allowed is for political power to control the church, right? So there's political power. The word ecclesia and the word church are two totally different words. The word ecclesia we're going to talk about um, is, is a, it's kind of, we'll explain it, it's, it's wild. But the word church really means a location. When they translated it from the Greek, they actually said, King James actually said, I want you to use the word church and not ecclesia. When they translated, they mistranslated the ecclesia, the church, to kirch. And kirch means location. Kirch means like an organization, like a business that you would go to. That's what kirch means. That is not what the ecclesia is. That is not what Jesus said he was going to build. It was actually by one mistranslation, we have been building the kirch for 500 years. And what we're supposed to be building is the ecclesia. What he said is he's going to build the ecclesia, actually, and we have been building the church. And so we have to understand the ecclesia so we even know who we are. So things start to make sense. That's one of the things we talked about when we started this thing was we have went for years. We've gone for years going, why? Why does my spirit have this marriage to the church, but I don't see it? I don't see it. And my prayer, our prayer, is that this starts to make everything make sense. That we finally know who we are. We finally know why we care so much about the church and, we, and it wasn't doing anything, right? Like, hopefully this answers a lot of questions in your spirit, right? So the ecclesia, what is the ecclesia? The ecclesia, let me pull this thing up, this thing's tight. The ecclesia is actually a Greek idea. It existed. Jesus did not create a new word right then. It was actually a Greek idea that existed about 500 years before Jesus. The Greeks took this idea of an ecclesia and the Romans expanded on it. The ecclesia, what is the ecclesia? The ecclesia was a ton of people. It goes from about 6,000 to about 40,000. Basically, if you're 18 years of, old, or of age and you're a man, you can be part of the Greek ecclesia, right? So the ecclesia, they would come together and they would work together and they would vote on things. They would find, um, uh, what, basically, what do we want to institute into Greek culture? The ecclesia would come together, talk about it, discuss it, vote on it, and then they would go and wherever they were, Greek culture, Greek power, Greek reign, Greek, Greek rule went with them. Does that make sense? And so the Romans took that and said, okay, let's build off of that. And so the Romans would come together, all these men, I mean, thousands of them. I mean, it's, it's, it's like if it's Sioux Falls, I'm probably thinking 50,000 people, 40,000 people um, in, of men above the age of 18 in this city would come together, vote on things. And then this is where it gets crazy. They would scatter, they would meet, they would decide, 
then they would scatter. And where two or more of them agreed, where two or more of them stood, Roman rule, reign, and authority and power existed. Where have we heard that before? Jesus took the Roman idea, redeemed it, and said, this, the authority of heaven now, where two or more are gathered in my name, heaven is there. Where two or more are gathered in my name and they agree, he even says, I will ask that the Father will do it. If you agree and you ask in my name, the Father will do it for you. He'll do anything you ask. It's the authority and the power of heaven through the ecclesia. Do you, are you starting to see? It's the two or more. It's the two or more. When we make this about location, when we make this about about coming to a thing once a week and we make it about one person sitting at the top operating in his gift or her gift and everybody else is supposed to watch and celebrate, we don't know who we are. Because who Jesus said we're gonna be is go, two or more of you, agree and tell sin and darkness and death and sickness to get out. Because the authority and the power of heaven that I gave you through the cross, through the Holy Spirit, now you have it, so go. And he doesn't say just go and have fun with it. He says go and do the mission that I've been telling you the whole time. To see this thing changed. To see this city shift. That's why in Acts when they said the 12 are coming who have shifted, they turned the world upside down. That's the way they talked about them. These are the ones that have turned the world upside down. It's because they knew who they were. They knew that my job is not to just go to church and just, I don't know, I guess I'll get some coffee. Do they have a good kids ministry here? Like, who cares? Know who you are and go and take the power and authority of heaven with you. Agree together and let's see a city change. Let's see a city come into alignment and into agreement with the kingdom of God, the values of God, the power of God, the authority of God. And through that, we are beginning to fulfill the mission of Jesus on the earth. Amen. But if we sit and we watch and we wait, we don't know who we are. And we wonder, why do I keep going to church? Why do I go? I mean, I don't really like the pastor. I don't even really know the pastor. I don't like the coffee. The music's really loud. I don't like that worship leader. Like, that's what we become. But when we understand, okay, my job is to come together, agree with the body, because I belong to the family of God, and then go and use the authority and the gifts and the power that have been given to me from heaven, we can actually do some damage to the kingdom of darkness, and this is the problem, the kingdom of man. So the kingdom of darkness, Jesus was adamant about. What he actually frustrated was the Pharisees. What he frustrated was the Pharisees, and that's a different kingdom. It's the kingdom of God usurping the kingdom of man. And this is what we have to see. This is not, we don't do it, we're going to do it the way Jesus did it, through love and through grace and through just coming under people. But it disrupts things. When the kingdom of God sits down in a place, whether it's by two or three people or in a room like this, it disrupts man's kingdom. It disrupts my ability to rule my life. When he comes, I die. When he sits down, I let him have the throne. When two or more of us go to a place and we agree sickness has to go, it has to go. It has to go. 
It has to bow. And this is why it's so important that we understand who we are. Is because, like I said, we, we, will, we will spend forever trying to figure out what is the point. And so the ecclesia, we have been missing that this whole thing was for us to gather, to break, and to agree, and to work together with strategy from heaven, with power from heaven, to see everything around us shift. Everything around us shift. And we've been building this thing where we come together and we vote on things, and we vote on what color the carpet's gonna be, and we don't like this stuff, and this is the enemy saying, you know what, you don't even know who you are, and I can keep this spinning all day long. I can keep you mad about what the pastor said all day long until you know who you are and you go, oh, okay, let's get out here and let's do some damage. And so the release that we feel God is saying, a few weeks ago, um, I want to read this real quick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, just so I don't miss anything, I'm going to come back and read this. What is the ecclesia, Greek idea? Romans expanded it. Only existed, think about this, it only existed in the world for two centuries as a, from Roman rule. It only existed for, for 200 years. Jesus, not only did he say, now I'm going to step back in the earth, redeem the world, like get all the lost people to where they can be a part of the family of God. He did it in that time frame to be able to say, no, that thing. That, we wouldn't even know what the ecclesia is today. He chose the ecclesia because he said, that's what I want. That's what I'm going to build, and that's what's going to take over the world. Mind-boggling that Jesus would step into that point in time of all this history, and he goes, that one. That's the one, because it's the ecclesia I want to build. Not the police department, not the government, not the democracy, right? I want to build the ecclesia. Mind-boggling. The ecclesia uh, was not a spiritual term, it was governmental. The ecclesia was an extension of the government. It was ultimately a total takeover from the king. What it meant was when they came, the culture of Rome had to sit down. The culture of Rome, everything about Rome became reality wherever they set foot. Make sense? They met about three to four times a month, about 50 times a year, oddly similar to the church. They were in position to govern the local city. They only had authority from man. We have authority from heaven and we have power from heaven. Where two or more are gathered, um, Roman rule and power were there. In Luke 10, Jesus sent them out two by two. What does this mean? Jesus came at the perfect time to establish an ecclesia, a group of people called out um, to govern their communities with the power and authority of heaven. Spiritually governed. They spiritually governed their city. Matthew 18, where two or more are gathered, he is with them. If two of you agree, um, he, he said he would do it. They knew this existed when the, he told the disciples that. They knew, oh, I know what that means because the Romans did it. Jesus was taking that idea and make it his own. You have to know who you are to understand the power you've been given. We talked about the Holy Spirit. If you don't understand the power of the, or if you have the Holy Spirit, but you don't understand the authority, you're just a loaded gun that's not going to actually do anything that's lasting. The whole thing is for lasting transformation, right? When we come together under the authority of heaven and we know the authority that we carry, we're just a loaded gun, but we don't have the authority to enact anything. We don't have the authority to govern anything. Does that make sense? We don't know what we're doing in the heavens. We don't know how we're operating. We just know we got power. And I can shoot this gun all day long. And it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's power. But it's the authority that says, no, this is ours. 
This is, this is heavens. When God gave me the keys, this is heavens now. You don't just have power. You have the authority to spiritually govern the city. Where two of you are in agreement, the power of darkness has to bow. Sickness has to bow. Depression has to bow. Cancer has to bow. This is who we are. This is what, this is what I want us to understand. This is what the church is. We are the house of God. We talked about the presence, right? We are the house of God to host his presence. We are the family of God where we have actual true family. We're, bought, we're, we're brought into the family of God and we are the government of God on earth. We can't just be one of these things. We have to be the whole thing. It all fits together to see his kingdom come and his will be done. But this is why the church can't stand up against the gates of hell in today's world because they don't know who they are. And they've said, think about this, there's so many, there's houses of prayer, there's missional churches, there's all these different things. They all have to fit together. So that we talked about rhythm the other day, right? It's all of these things fitting together to have power. It's the power of God in rhythm and unity that releases. That makes sense? I want to read this last thing. I know I'm just spitballing a million things, so I'm sorry. But the Lord showed me this the other day while we were in a, uh, in a prayer set. This is Ezekiel 47. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. Some of you all have heard this. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the, outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. Then I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He led me more. Water was up to my knees. Then he, we walked out again. It was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim, but too deep to walk through. He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the, the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from the Engedi to the Englen. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea, just as they fill the Mediterranean. Essentially, there's the vision of the temple and a river that flows from it, right? And everything that the river touches comes to life. Everything the river touches comes to life. The Dead Sea is where no fish can exist. Nothing can breathe in there. There's, it's not salty. It's not, it's not fit for them. And he's saying, from the temple flows the river. Everything that it touches comes to life. This is, you just got to paint the picture of what we do here. We do prayer sets. We've talked about prayer sets, right? We do Sunday. We do Shabbat. So many people want the river and they don't want the temple. They want the transformation. They don't want the throne. The reason we do prayer sets is so he is Lord. So he sits down with us. 
So he says, I'm going to make this my home. I'm going to make this place, this people, this group of people, this building my dwelling place, my resting place. Because the river doesn't just flow from nowhere. It flows from the throne of God. We have to understand this because when we try and do transformation without intimacy and worship and love of him, it doesn't work. It's us and our own power. What we have to do is all of it working together. The church is the family of God, but it's also the house of God. He said, my house will be a house of prayer. So we're going to be a house of prayer and worship and ministry unto God and the family of God. But when the river comes, that's the river through us. Jesus said, out of their bellies, out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. That's what Jesus said. He's talking about this. The living water that brings everything to life is in us and it comes up from the deepest parts of us and out through our mouths, through our hands, through our bodies to see everything come to life. But the temple has to be in us. Does that make sense? Like the temple, the house of God, the presence of God has to be everything that we're concerned about so that the river of God can come out of our bodies. Does that make sense? When we just want the river and I just want the power, I just want the thing, but I don't want you. I'm not going to sit and minister to you. I'm not going to sit and just be in awe of you. I'm not going to thank you. I'm not going to tell you how good you are. I'm not going to be in love with you. I just want transformation. That's us and that's our power. But when we make our life goal to minister to him and to bless his heart, to please him, to honor him, to make him proud, to make him smile, to have a relationship with him and intimacy with him, we will see living water come out of our bodies. But we don't, you don't get the river without the throne. You have to have the throne. But if you just have the throne and you don't have the river, you're missing the goal. He wants this. This is intimacy. That's the worship. That's to worship you. I live. That's the truth. That's what we do. But his mission on the earth is transformation. We can't have just a house of prayer or just a mission group. It has to be connected so that the power comes from the throne. Does that make sense? If if we're we're doing this by going, I think I'm just called to missions. No, we're all called to it. Well, I think I'm called to just be in the house of prayer. No, we're all called to it. This is who we are, and we're in the family of God. We need each other. And so we talked about the ripple effect that we talk about. The ripple, the the rock hits the ripple. It's the presence. The next ripple creates family, and the next ripple creates transformation. Right? But it's all from his presence. If it's all this out here, without that, there's no power. And actually, the ripple doesn't happen. It's his presence that locks us in as the family of God and then sends us out with the power of God. Does that make sense? And this is why it's so important that we know who we are. Because when we don't know who we are, we're out here wondering, well, what church am I going to go to? And it's consumerism. We become like America. Just being honest, we start going, what's in this for me? What do I have to gain out of this? Well, I don't agree with that, and I don't like that. I don't like their small group ministry. I don't like that. The, who cares? 
when our job is to minister to him, love him, be in the family of God and bless each other and encourage each other like we talked about last week through the gifts for the body to equip the body and build up the body and then go and be the authority extension from the head, which is Jesus. Makes sense. We all have to understand this because when, like if 12 people can turn a world upside down, what can more than 12 do in this room? When we just know who we are, when we know what we're actually called to. And it's not, it's not to just exist until we die. It's not to just exist until we get to heaven one day. No, while we're here, we're partners with him. While we're here, we're commissioned by him. While we are here, we're walking side by, like it's like with Jesus, he modeled for us how to walk empowered and led by the Holy Spirit. That's what he did. He modeled it for us. While we are here, this is our life. This is who we are. That's why we're devoted to each other. In the New Testament, they met in the temple in the synagogues daily. They devoted themselves daily. Not once a week for an hour because it was cool. So they could post on Instagram. That's not what they did. They devoted themselves to each other. They wept with each other. They hurt with each other. When someone was sick, they cared. When someone didn't have money, they pulled it out of their pockets. And said, here, take mine. It's the family of God that supports and empowers through the spirit, the mission of God. It's all of it. Do you see what I'm trying to paint? It's all of them. It's not just worship. It's not like there's so many churches that say, well, we're a worshiping church. Some churches say, well, well, we're just a community church. Some churches say, well, we're a missional social justice church. We have to be all of them. They all have to work together so that he can flow through us. He's pouring out. He's pouring out. We have to go through the flow. Does that make sense? It's so much, I know. But we have to know who we are. Let me pray for us and then Ben's going to come and talk just a little bit. Father, we love you. God, just remind us who we are. Remind us who we are. Remind us that this is your mission. It's your power. It's your authority. None of it's ours. It's all you. But it is there. It's all real. But the mission to see a city transformed is real. The mission to see people know you. To see their bodies healed. In Luke 10, you sent them out and said, raise the dead. Give us that faith. Give us that confidence. Give us that boldness that your word said to do it, so we're just going to try. And Lord... Today, I just ask that you would put urgency in all of us. Thank you for reminding us who we are and what we're called to. And don't let us miss it, God. When we are in the way, rebuke us. When we are in your way, discipline us. When we stop you from moving through us as individuals or a house, rebuke us, God. (coughs) Put us back in position to be used by you. 
And that's what we say today. Use us, God. Just use us. You have put us in the heart of this city. We are in a tiny conference room in the middle, dead middle of this city. And so use us. Do what you want. Remind us of the authority and the power you've given us. Remind us of your heart to see cities and people come to know you and to come into agreement with you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in this city as it is in heaven. With that, we love you, God. In Jesus' name. Amen.